Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with you. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval, and you are here at the clinic where we like to talk about our spiritual, physical, and mental well-being. You know, lots of questions come up, lots of different issues come up. Uh, I always like to look at our health uh, from a spiritual, from a mental, and from a physical perspective within our Catholic faith. And as I always say, we need to think like Catholics in order to live like Catholics in order to be Catholic. One of the big things that comes to mind is this month of August, we are celebrating the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And a lot of questions that I get sometimes from people, I've had patients in the past actually ask me this is, should I consecrate myself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Should I consecrate myself to Our Lady? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, <clears throat> it's a big deal because what does that mean emotionally, mentally, physically for us as Catholics to do that? We can discuss this here in the clinic because we're always looking for ways to get closer to God and change our lives for the better. And as we get started on this topic, very appropriate here at the top of the noon hour, let's get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, interesting show today. Um, I definitely want to talk about the Immaculate Heart of Mary, what the devotion comes from, and what that looks like. Also, what some important people have said about the devotion to Our Lady. Controversial for anybody who's not Catholic, because they say, gosh, you know, what is this devotion to Mary? Why would Mary even be important? You're turning her into God. You're saying she's more important than Jesus. And as we understand, that's never the case. Uh, as we live our Catholic faith, we always understand, as Our Lady is a helper, a stepping stone to Christ. Our ultimate goal is always to be in the image of Christ, uh, image and likeness. Uh, uh, we were made in the image and likeness of God. So we want to be in that image of God when we come before him. Uh, we want to look at the life of Christ. What, but what better than to understand Christ through Our Lady, she who knew him best, she who bore him in the womb. What does that mean? Well, let's look at a few things. First, let's just talk about where does this devotion to Our Lady come from? I'm just looking here online. I'll put some links uh, here below. But I'm looking here online. 
<clears throat> the devotion to Our Lady uh, began in the Middle Ages with Anselm of Canterbury and Bernard of Clairvaux. I'm sure you've heard of these saints, big names in our uh, literature of our saints and our Catholic history. It says it was also practiced and developed by Gertrude the Great and Bridget of Sweden. Again, names of big saints that are well known. It's not somebody who would say, oh, well, that's just an obscure saint or something. No, these are well-known saints who had this devotion to Our Lady. Uh, it says also in this article, evidence is also discernible in the pious meditations on the Ave Maria, the Salve Regina, usually attributed to either Anselm of Lucca or St. Bernard, and also a large book, De Laudibus Beate Maria Virginis, uh, which is written by Richard de Saint Laurent, penitentiary of Rouen in the 13th century. So with, that, with this, we realize that there is a history of devotion to Our Lady and to her Immaculate Heart. Um, it's not something that's brand new or anything along those lines. It is something that we do. But even further in the history, it goes on to say, it was John John Udys who propagated the devotion. So other saints have talked about the devotion, but the propagation of the devotion to the Immaculate Heart, which again, the month of August is devoted to, uh, was by John Udys and to make, he made it public and had a feast celebrated in honor of the heart of Mary um, in 1648 in the city of Autun uh, in the French diocese. He established several religious societies interested in upholding and promoting the devotion of which the large book Cour Admirable, which means admirable heart was published, all devoted to Our Lady. And of course, we never say that we uh, look at the Immaculate Heart and we devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart without obviously looking at the Sacred Heart. So there is a history there. There is a church history. It's not something that's brand new. It's not something that people say, well, what's going on with this? Um, wh where did this come from? It has been historic that we look at the heart of Our Lady. If you listen to my show a couple of uh, weeks back, uh, we devoted a, a part of the show to the sorrowful heart of Our Lady and where that comes from and how this is biblical. Well, this is all kind of ties in together. And you got to remember in our calendar year of the Catholic faith, in June, we celebrate the Sacred Heart of Jesus, devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and we take pride in the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The month of July is devoted to his precious blood. And we have a bookend here now in August with the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. Well, is this important or is this not important? I saw this great article. I wanted to get to this article here. Uh, from a, a few years back, uh, it was it was in 2020, but it was published here at the National Catholic Register here in the United States. And I think this rings true to a lot of people. I like the idea of the history, you know, looking back in time, the 1600s, the 1500s, the 1300s, whenever this devotion was started. A lot of times, sometimes that feels so far away for us, or it feels like, gosh, that devotion was a long time ago. Why are we talking about it now? Um, but this always rings true when we talk about Fatima and we talk about, in particular, Sister Lucia, who wrote a lot about Fatima. She was the primary visionary in Fatima. Um, and there was this great article in the National Catholic Register a few years back. And the title is Sister Lucia Explains Devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is a Must. I want to go through that article and see what this living saint who many people met, who we knew of, uh, what she had to say about the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, because how many of these other saints can say that they were visionaries, that they actually spoke to Our Lady, that they had messages with Our Lady, um, and that she gave them prophecies? When Sister Lucia speaks about Our Lady, I think we tend to listen because she spoke to her directly. And this is how we can also explain to people why are we so devoted to Our Lady? Why do we want to listen to what Our Lady has to say? Because Our Lady will always lead us to Christ.
If you ever look at any apparitions, if you look at any prayers to Our Lady or anything along those lines, it's about asking her to pray for us so we get closer to Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to get to that article. I think that's a very important article. Sister Lucia is going to explain to us why the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is a must. But one of the things that I found interesting, if anybody was following the news this past week, there was a different article. There's an article that was pub published in The Atlantic, and I thought it was interesting because, this is the title of the article, How Extremist Gun Culture is Trying to Co-Opt the Rosary, and it says why sacramental beads suddenly showing up next to AR-15s online. It's talking about, if you read this article, it was, again, it was published in The Atlantic. I'll put a link to this as well here below the talk. I thought it was an interesting article. Initially, if you're a Catholic and devoted to the rosary and you have that as one of your devotions, one of your prayers, uh, you, I'm sure that you grew up like I did. There's millions of rosaries in the house. You can't go into a room of the house without finding one or two rosaries. Uh, people have rosaries in their pockets and their purses everywhere, um, especially in the Hispanic culture. We're very common to have the rosary everywhere. Uh, this article I thought was interesting because it was equating the rosary to all of a sudden being a weapon. Although as if this was like a new imagery or something along those lines. Um, and, uh, you know, let me read some experts here. Um, excerpts from the article it says, the theologian and historian Massimo Fagioli has described a network of conservative Catholic bloggers and commentary organizations as a Catholic cyber militia that actively campaigns against LGBTQ acceptance in the church. These rad trad rosary as weapon memes represent a social media diffusion of such messaging, and they work to integrate ultra-conservative Catholicism with other aspects of online far-right culture. The phenomenon might be tempting to dismiss as mere trolling or merchandising, and ironical provocations based on the traditionalist Catholic symbols do exist, but the far-right constellations of violent, racist, and homophobic online milieus are well-documented for providing a pathway to radicalization and real-world terrorist attacks. I thought it was kind of interesting, but really kind of sad that uh, they, in this article they would equate people who pray the rosary or who use the rosary or the rosary in any way equal to real-life physical terrorist attacks. Never has the rosary been used in that way. Never has it been propagated in that way. Nobody has ever said, pray the rosary and, and fight your fellow man in that respect. We do understand the imagery of spiritual combat, but the article goes on to say this. It kind of softens a little bit. It says the rosary in these hands, so obviously in the hands of anybody who's radical, is anything but holy. I don't know about that. You know, why, why would they say this? I don't exactly understand why they would say this. I think they're trying to equate the rosary with an extremism, which it never has been. Uh, the rosary is always us showing that, hey, we meditate on the life of Christ because that's what we need to get to. We're not doing this to fight each other as human beings, but there is a spiritual battle to be had. And there is a, a very real spiritual battle that happens. And is the rosary one of our weapons for this? Absolutely. Listen to this next, next paragraph. It says, the rosary in these hands, they were talking about the conservatives, is anything but holy. But for millions of believers, the beads, which provide an aid memoir, which means a help to remember, for a sequence of devotional prayers are widely recognized symbol of Catholicism and a source of strength. That is very true. And make... And many take genuine sustenance from Catholic theological concept of the church militant and the tradition regarding the rosary as a weapon against Satan. That's what we need to think about. We're coming up here on the break. When we come back from the break, I want to look at this because we need to look at what is the rosary really?
Sandoval. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about a few important topics. The Rosary, Devotion to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, and what does this all mean? Uh, before the break, I was reading some excerpts from this interesting article that came about uh, in the Atlantic that's equating the Rosary to a radical movement or saying that images of the Rosary are being used as a, in a radical movement on the extreme right or extreme right Catholicism or something along these lines where they're equating the rosary to a gun or an AR-15 or something. And the reason that this is important for us to discuss is when you read these articles, we want to be very cautious because all of a sudden the lines start to blur. This is where people who really don't know what the rosary is or don't know what they're talking about, they're going to pick on. I don't doubt some people are using the rosary as an inappropriate image, but to write this article, it's it's just the way sometimes people will start to try to, uh, you know, make the rosary a bad image, make it seem like it's something bad in society, something that we perhaps need to get rid of. This is how we're going to be attacked, folks, whenever we want to pray the rosary, whenever we want to have true devotion to Our Lady. Let's not forget that the attacks are going to come. This was an interesting article because it starts to equate the rosary with military action, maybe even terrorism. And we want to be cautious of that, even though the article tries to specify, it tries to, in a veiled way, specify that they're only talking about a small subset. And in there, it weaves that well, the majority of Catholics, you know, they don't see it this way. It even mentions Pope Francis. Let's read this part of the article. It tries to soften their approach. At the end of the day, the article continues to try to equate the rosary with true violence and attacks on people. So let's read this. It says, you know, that the rosary for the wide, um, it's recognized as a symbol of Catholicism and a source of strength for the, for the majority of Catholics. It may take and many take genuine sustenance from Catholic the theology's concept of the church militant and the tradition of regarding the rosary as a weapon against Satan. As Pope Francis said in a 2020 address, he said, there is no path to holiness without spiritual combat. And Francis is only one of many church officials who have endorsed the idea of the rosary as an armament in that fight. And this is true. We've always said that. We've always said that the rosary is an armament in that fight. So if the article actually, if the if the author of the article stuck to the fact that we're talking about it from a spiritual perspective, that'd be great. You know, we are talking about a spiritual fight. We're talking about the rosary being one of the main tools that we use in a spiritual battle that we believe that we have as a church militant. Um, but it really starts to blur the lines. It tries to equate the rosary as though we are being radical and that we're going to use that as an excuse to actually do physical harm on other people. And we've never done that. You know, you want to be careful with articles like this. It says that some social media accounts commonly promote accelerationist and survivalist content along with combat, medical and tactical training, as well as memes depicting uh, gunmen and drawn in a terror wave or war core aesthetics that's popular in fight right circles. So they're saying that we, in some of our articles, uh, will talk about the, the rosary in a militaristic way. And this is very true. We actually do. We do talk about it that way. And we should, because we're not talking about fighting our fellow man. We're talking about defending our souls. And we're talking about fighting the enemy, the spiritual enemies uh, that are against us, fighting the demons, fighting uh, what we believe is going to lead us in a path away from God and a path away from heaven. I say this because some of these articles, sometimes people will read them and think, well, gosh, we, we, we shouldn't militarize a rosary. Maybe the rosary is not a good thing. Maybe we need to get rid of the rosary. Maybe we need to ban the rosary. A lot of times it starts heading in that direction. So I just say, be conscious of that because that's never what the rosary is. We can't be afraid to be honest about what the rosary is. You know, there's a couple of more paragraphs I want to read because these are important when we're talking about 
you know, here, especially here in the month of August, the month devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. And we're going to talk about this probably more in October when we talk about the month devoted to the Rosary. Um, but the way that we understand about asking Our Lady to pray for us when we pray the Rosary, we understand what's happening here. And we understand that there is a spiritual battle that's before us that we need to face. Um, the article goes on to say a few things. It says, Rosaries are common among merchandise that is offered uh, on some Catholic websites that they that use traditional Catholic websites. And it says that some of them are made from cartridge casings and complete with gunmetal finished crucifixes. One Catholic online store, which describes itself as dedicated to offering battle-ready products and manuals to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. And that website is Roman Catholic gear that they're talking about. Um, and it's true, they do offer this in, as a tactical idea. And it says it sells replicas of the rosaries issued to American soldiers during the First World War as combat rosaries. This is true. That's what they are. Discerning consumers can also buy a concealed carry permit for their combat rosary and a sacramental storage box resembling an ammunition can. This is very true. Uh, if you look at U.S. Grace Force and things of that nature, they do that. In 2016, it says a pontifical Swiss guard accepted a donation of combat rosaries during a ceremony at the Vatican. Their commander described the gift as the most powerful weapon that exists on the market. And we believe this about the rosary. Nobody's going to negate that. Of course, that's what we say about the rosary. But we can't conflate. We can't confuse the fact that we're talking about a very real spiritual battle and not about battling each other. It's a whole different mentality. It's a whole different thought process if you start looking at it that way. And the article, I don't think, is very good at making that point. I think the article is really trying to say, gosh, you know, the rosaries really should get, we get, got to get rid of these because they're, they're just promoting violence among people. That's kind of where this article is headed and that can be very dangerous. Listen to this paragraph. The militarism also glorifies a warrior mentality and notions of manliness and male strength. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with manliness and male strength? We need to have that. We need to have strong fathers. We need to str have strong heads of the household. We need to have strong priests. God gave us our manliness and our male strength. We have to use it in the correct way. To quote St. Francis de Sales, uh, he said to us, and one of his famous quotes is, there's nothing more there's nothing more gentle than real strength and nothing more strong than real gentleness. There's nothing wrong with strength. It's how we use it. Do we use it to protect or do we use it to hurt? Masculinity is very important. It says this conflation of the masculine and the military is rooted in wider anxieties about Catholic manhood. We don't really have anxieties about Catholic manhood. We understand what Catholic manhood is. The concern is anybody trying to tell you about what it's not or trying to make it something that it is not. The idea that it is in a crisis has become a currency among senior Catholic figures and lay organizations. In 2015, Bishop Thomas Olmsted, great bishop of Phoenix, issued an apostolic exhortation calling for a renewal of traditional conceptions of Catholic masculinity titled Into the Breach, obviously a military-type term, um, which was led by the Knights of Columbus, and they calls them an influential fraternal order to produce a video series promoting Olmsted's ideas. But among rad radical traditionalist Catholic men, such concerns take an extremist turn rooted in fantasies of violently defending one's family and church from marauders. Yeah, and the marauders are usually dark entities, anything that's going to try to spiritually combat your family. We do believe that we need to protect them from that. And even if it weren't that, why wouldn't we protect our family in our own defense? If somebody's trying to attack my family, it's actually my duty to protect my family. I took that on when I decided to get married, when I decided to have children. It's important to remember that. In conclusion here, um, 
this is one of the problems, you know, this is, I tell you, you know, you read an article like this and it tries to say, oh, gee, you know, we're, we're just talking about the few, but listen to the last sentence of this article. This is, this is what they want to leave you with. Um, it says the sacramental rosary isn't just a spiritual weapon, but one that comes with physical ammunition. That's a problem. You know, they're trying to say, the, the, see how the article ends there? It tries to say that the, the use of the rosary is, is almost an excuse for uh, physical harm to other people. And it's never been understood that way. It's never, we've never thought of it that way. It's never been anything that's equated with the rosary. I tell you this because we need to be aware as a church militant, we need to be aware about what people are trying to say about us. And really the way that they're trying to either directly lie about what the rosary is or give an image of what it's not. You know, when we're, that's not what we ever have said the rosary is. They can say whatever they want, but we want to be cautious because all of a sudden we don't stand up and defend and say, you know, you re I wish you would write about something that you know about, or I wish that you would maybe do a little bit more investigation so that you can talk intelligently about it because this person really doesn't talk that intelligently about it at the end of the day. Um, you know, they use words like it says, the battle beats cultural spiritual warfare permits radical traditional Catholics literally to demonize our political opponents and regard the use of armed force against them as sanctified. We've never said that. We've never said that as Catholics. We've never said that we can use armed force against other people. We're always going to defend ourselves and that's fine. But this article is making it seem like we're going to use the rosary as an excuse to attack other people. Completely wrong, completely without base. We need to be ready to defend that for ourselves. This is where we need to think like Catholics. Why do I pray the rosary? Not because I want to fight my fellow man at all, but because I want to save our souls. We pray the rosary as a meditation on Christ. Article doesn't even talk about what the rosary is. Doesn't even talk about what it means to pray the rosary or meditate on the rosary. Doesn't touch on the mysteries of the rosary. It really does a disservice because at the end of the day, this author, uh, you know, who, who put the article out, really doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, they're they're trying to give their own twist and they're trying to change things around uh, in a way to vilify the rosary and to eventually potentially make it so that people start thinking twice about even praying the rosary or owning a, a rosary. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're really trying to twist the, tr the truth about us Catholics. But that's to be expected. That is to be expected. Let's move forward. I'm going to put a link to that article if you want to read it a little bit more and see what they're saying about the rosary. What I want to focus on is it's to be expected as we go towards the heart of Our Lady, as we decide to consecrate ourselves to the heart of Our Lady. And in fact, there is a very specific prayer, act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that comes from the Vatican directly. It's on the Vatican website. I'm going to go ahead and post a link to that as well so that we can pray that with our families, pray that at home. Uh, it's a little bit of a lengthy prayer. Uh, so I want you to look at that, but I'm going to put that link there because I want to make sure that during this month of August, we make that act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, consecrate ourselves and our families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And let's not forget what all that means. Part of that's going to be praying the rosary. Why? Because it is a very strong spiritual weapon. I think that when these articles come out that try to vilify the rosary, I'm not surprised by it at all because what more would the devil want than to get a, get a voice to say, hey, rosaries are bad. Why? Because we're doing a lot of spiritual damage when we pray the rosary, when we sit as a family, when we talk about what's good, when we talk about following Christ, when we meditate on the life of Christ. What is the rosary? It's a meditation on the Annunciation, the birth of Christ, uh, the crucifixion of our Lord, all the suffering he did before the crucifixion, the resurrection of our Lord, ending with the crowning of Our Lady as Queen of Heaven and Earth. Uh, what better than to, to focus on that? It's all about peace. And it's all about how we are supposed to live our lives 
closer to our Lord. The rosary is a very powerful weapon to build our spirituality. We've never used it or said that it is an excuse for us to harm other people. It's important to consider that when we're looking at the rosary. Well, let's move on to this article. I think this is a great article, National Catholic Register, again, a couple of years ago, but I always love articles from any time that speak about our Catholic faith because our Catholic faith is timeless. We need to think in terms of heaven's time, not our time. It doesn't matter when we read these articles from. Why? Because if you want to look at the lives of saints, it's like we're reading articles from hundreds of years ago that ring true today. We read the scriptures from many years ago. We read about the life of Christ and the, the quotes Christ gave us 2022 years ago, and they ring very true to today. So this is what's going to guide us. This article is entitled, Sister Lucia Explains Devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is a Must. <clears throat> it says, the Fatima Seer gives us so many clear reasons for us to see why devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is essential. Let's go ahead and read this and see what it says. No more than 100 years after the first ap uh, appearance of Our Lady of Fatima, her message is more urgent than ever. As culture and peace continue to deteriorate, Our Lady of Fatima has the answer to reverse the downward spiral, beginning with these two musts, the daily rosary and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Servant of God, Sister Lucia tells us why her memoirs and explains more in her book, Calls from the Message of Fatima. We're going to read about this when we come back from the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Breaking Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about a few things here focused on the month of August dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady and the reality that there is a spiritual battle out there that we must fight. Part of what we do during the spiritual battle, part of what's going to happen in the spiritual battle, uh, sadly, uh, but is to be expected, is that our truth is going to get twisted around. How do we know that? We know that because that's what happened to Christ in the Gospels. He wasn't crucified based on the truth. He was crucified with a twisting of the truth. There, there was excuses found to crucify him, not because what he was doing was wrong, but because it upset people. Before the break, I was reading an article that was published that really tries to vilify the rosary as an excuse for us Catholics or saying that we use it as an excuse to harm other people or to use it as a war cry against our fellow man, which is far from the truth. The, the rosary is always a call to prayer and a call to peace. Whether, whether anybody says anything different about it, you know, people are going to try to twist that around. But we've never used the rosary as anything but a peaceful uh, prayer. You've never seen anybody with a rosary in their hand, um, you know, going out and looking to pick fights uh, or anything along those lines. It's always a powerful prayer tool. Now we're looking at this article that talks to us about Sister Lucia and in this month of Mary dedicated to the Immaculate Heart why it's important to consecrate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart, why we have to have a devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. Um, the very powerful sentence here right at the opening in, the, in this article says, as culture and peace continue to deteriorate, Our Lady of Fatima has the answers to reverse the downward spiral, beginning with these two musts. These are things that have to happen, the daily rosary and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is what Sister Lucia tells us. Let's see how. Let's see what's going on. It says that on December 10th, 1925, which happened to be the feast of Our Lady of Loreto, Sister Lucia was in her cell in the convent in Spain when the Blessed Mother appeared to her. Our Lady didn't arrive alone. Jesus was with his mother, appearing as a child standing on a luminous cloud. Sister Lucia described what happened, referring to herself in the third person. The most holy 
virgin rested her hand on her shoulder, and she did so. She showed her a heart encircled by thorns, which she was holding in her other hand. At the same time, the child said, Have compassion on the heart of your most holy mother, covered with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment, and there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. Then Our Lady told her, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns, and which ungrateful men pierce in me every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation all those who, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, shall confess, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. It says, let's see how this instruction and promise tie to, into devotion to the Immaculate Heart. On another visit, Lucia did not make this request known because it pertained to one of the three secrets the children received in the apparitions and which they were to keep just that secret until heaven gave the okay. Two years later, when her superiors asked her to write down this last apparition, she first went to pray before the tabernacle. It was December 17, 1927. She asked Jesus how she was to fulfill this request, which were part of the secrets. She wanted heaven's authorization before revealing anything. Lucia was concerned about this part of the July 1917 revelations. Our Lady said, Jesus wishes to make use of you to make me known and loved. He wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. I promise salvation to those who embrace it, and these souls will be loved by God like flowers placed by me to adorn his throne. Imagine that. Imagine that with devotion to the Immaculate Heart, this is what Our Lady promised. Let's read that again. I promise salvation to those who embrace it, and these souls will be loved by God like flowers placed by me to adorn his throne. This is important for us as Catholics because a lot of times we have a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of mental heaviness. Really, a lot of times when people come to me and there's a lot of mental heaviness, believe it or not, it's actually a lot of spiritual heaviness that they're carrying. It's not just mental or physical. It's the spiritual heaviness. It's the the feeling that, boy, I'm on this earth and I've got no recourse. I've done so many bad things. I don't know God will ever forgive me. How am I going to present myself before the throne of God? How am I going to have any hope for myself if I don't uh, pray or if I, you know, if I've done so many bad things, if I've already sinned in so many ways, how's God ever going to forgive me? It's easy to fall into that sense of hopelessness. It's not necessarily despair. I still have my hope in God. I just don't see it. You know, it's not like I say, well, I, I no longer have hope in God. God can't save me. I'm going to hope in something else. That's different. That's despair. It's a feeling of anxiety thinking, gosh, I hope God does forgive me. I have hope in God still, but I know that what I've done is really bad. I hope that he's able to open his arms up to me. Well, listen to what Our Lady says. She said, I promise salvation to those who embrace my immaculate heart, and these souls will be loved by God like flowers placed by me to adore his throne. How much would God love a flower placed by Our Lady on his throne? Imagine you know, anybody who's ever had a birthday or, or a celebration or something, and somebody gives you flowers. What do you do with those flowers? Do you toss them on the ground? If it's from somebody you really care about, you look for the first vase you can. You make sure that they're in water. You don't want them to die. You put them somewhere prominent. This is important to me because it was given to me by this person. Well, if Our Lady is giving us as a flower to our Lord, how is he going to take care of us right there on his throne? She goes on to say, Our Lady goes on to tell her, no, daughter, I shall never forsake you. My immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. Then, <clears throat> uh, our, 
Lucia says that Jesus made her very made her hear very dis distinctly these words, my daughter, write what they ask of you, write also all that the most holy virgin revealed to you in the apparition in which she spoke of this devotion. As for the remainder of the secret, continue to keep silent. Well, that is what it says. The first revelation of heaven's plan for the heart of Our Lady came in the 1917 apparitions. In her memoirs, Lucia explained, Our Lady told us in the July secret that God wished to establish in the world devotion to her immaculate heart. Our Lady said, Jesus wishes you to make me known and loved on earth. He wishes also for you to establish devotion in the world to my immaculate heart. Three times her immaculate heart was mentioned in that July apparition, also referring to the conversion of Russia and the visions of hell. Our Lady said, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. It is to save them that God wants to establish in this world devotion to my immaculate heart. There is a very distinct, clear connection between our devotion to the immaculate heart of Our Lady and our salvation, our step closer to God. If Our Lady can guide us into heaven, she can guide us to God, she could present us before Christ. And what better than to know that we have a loving mother who's going to advocate for us. She's not going to save us the way Jesus will. She, you know, uh, it's not it's not the same way. Shall we say a lot of people say, well, you're saying that Mary's God. No. And Our Lady, this is what's beautiful about the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. She never equated herself to God. She never said she was God. She was quiet. She kept everything in her heart quietly. She never said, she never complained. She never said anything. We never hear that from Our Lady. All we hear is that she carried Christ first in her womb, then in her heart, and throughout life, and that she was there with him to the point of the cross. The question, the idea of being devoted to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart is, are we able to be devoted to our Immaculate Heart so that we are ready to be devoted to Christ? Because that's what that means. What does this mean? It means that we're going to be praying our rosaries. It means we're going to be doing our first five Saturdays, going to confession, praying five decades of the rosary, meditating on the life of Christ and what that means. And as we're praying, uh, we're going to be struck by articles that tell us, oh, what you're doing is you're trying to attack other people. You're trying to, uh, you know, that rosary, it's a, it's a vile object, and you're using that, that as an excuse to harm others. Far from what we're actually doing. Nowhere near that. So let's go on to read this article. What else does it say? Reflecting on the June 17th apparition, Sister Lucia emphasized devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary was essential. Our Lady told her that her Immaculate Heart would be my refuge and the way that would lead me to God. As she spoke these words, she opened her hands and from them streamed a light that penetrated to our innermost hearts. From that day onwards, our hearts were filled with a more ardent love for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Later, Sister Lucia revealed, in front of the palm of Our Lady's right hand was a heart encircled by thorns, which pierced it. We understood that this was the Immaculate Heart of Mary, outraged by the sins of humanity and seeking reparation. Before Sister Lucia was taken to the hospital, she told her cousin, you will remain here to make known that God wishes to establish in the world devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Tell everybody that God grants us graces through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that people are to ask her for them, and that the heart of Jesus wants the Immaculate Heart of Mary to be venerated at his side. Tell them also to pray to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for peace, since God has entrusted it to her. Okay, there's a few things that we need to look at, um, as just in that one paragraph that are imperative. It says, tell everybody that God grants us graces through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and that people are to ask for them. When was the last time we asked for graces? I think that that's key. A lot of times we forget. 
you know, we go through life and we're kind of just expecting God to read our minds a little bit and say, God, what's going on? How come that went wrong? Well, God's going to say, well, you didn't ask me for any help. I thought you were doing fine. Do we stop and pray and ask for graces and ask God to give us the graces that we're going to need to carry on in life, to do what's right, to do get closer to God himself? And in that way, find peace in our lives. How many people come to me, couples, you know, individual people, people all walks of life who tell me that their lives are not at peace? They don't always know what they're saying that. They're saying that they feel things are out of order, that their boss doesn't like them, that <clears throat> things aren't going well for them. How many of those people are actually asking for graces? Are we asking for peace in our life or are we asking for this to be fixed or that to be fixed? Or do we have an idea of what God's will should be for us versus asking God, what is your will for us? I'm going to devote myself to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady and look, that peace is going to happen in my life. It's just going to start to happen. The initial thing I need to do is ask for those graces. How many times do I ask God to please grant me the graces that I might not even know exist to move forward in my life and to bring my family closer to him? Those are the important parts. That's what it really means to be uh, to venerate the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady because, look at this, tell them also to pray to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for peace since God has entrusted it to her. We want peace in our life. God entrusted Our Lady with the sense of peace in our world. When Lucia was a Carmelite writing the book Calls, she meditated much about this and she shared her extraordinary Marian insights. This is what Sister Lucia tells us. We all know that a mother's heart represents love in the bosom of a family, Lucia explains. All children trust in the heart of their mother, and we all know that we have a, in her a place of special affection. The same applies to the Virgin Mary. Thus, this message says, my immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that it will lead you to God. Hence, the heart of Mary is the refuge and the way to God for all his children. More on this when we come back from the break. All right, folks, so welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about the importance of the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady here in this month of August. Why is this important for us as Catholics? I'll tell you why. Because as Catholics, we need to get to Jesus, and we have this very strong devotion to Our Lady, and we believe that we can get closer to our Lord through Our Lady. In fact, if we understand our story if we understand that we are part of a bigger family and that Our Lady is our mother in heaven, then why would we shy away from speaking to Our Lady? I would never shy away from speaking to my own mother. Um, why would I do that? And people might say, well, why don't you just go to your dad if you need something from your dad? We work as a family. You know, if my mom is talking to my dad or if I ask my mom to ask my dad for something, we do this all the time. We do this all the time, even in life. I might ask my sisters to go ask my mom something for me. It's not something new. When, when do we do? We always do this as a family. How, to, how many times have we told our siblings, hey, go ask dad this for me. Go ask mom this for me. I know that if they listen to you, I know how they listen to you. I know what how they feel about you. And I know that if you ask for it, it's going to happen. It's just, it's just going to be there. there. There's never any doubt about that. There's never any questions uh, when it comes to that. One of the things that we need to consider is if we are truly part of a family, you know, and God is our father. A lot of times we just go to God. Well, God is our is our father in heaven, as Jesus told us. Jesus is my brother. Well, we interact as a family. We should interact as a family. We should converse as a family. But what we really need to do, to do is think like Catholics, which means we need to learn. We need to see what is our history. And if Sister Lucia from Fatima can explain to us a little bit more uh, about what Our Lady told her so that we can come to a greater knowledge. And she herself tells us, hey, 
This is what Our Lady said. She said her Immaculate Heart's important. She said devotion to the Immaculate Heart's important, and praying the rosary is the way to get there. This is something we need to listen to. Let's look at this. A lot of people come to me uh, in the clinic and they say, you know, that we, I've been having these issues with uh, spiritual warfare, and I think that there's demons attacking me, and I think that there's a lot of negativity surrounding my life. What do I need to do? Do I need to do special prayers? I need to go out and do something in the middle of the night? Do I need to find something that's extraordinary? And a lot of people get very, very sad when they hear, well, you know, have you been praying the rosary? Have you just gone to church? Have you led a sacramental life? Have you been receiving the Eucharist? Have you gone to confession? Have you just been living, living a Catholic life? A lot of people get disheartened by that. They think that there's a whole lot more or some other magical trick or something. And it's really that simple, folks. It's really as simple as, hey, this is a month of Our Lady. This is a month devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. I'm going to pray the rosary. I'm going to do the first five Saturdays. That's all I'm going to do. And guess what? Peace is going to happen. All these things that we want to happen, or that we want to get rid of in our lives because they're they're weighing heavy on us. It's a very simple solution. It's not doesn't take much to it. But the question is, do we see it with the eyes of faith? Do we truly believe that this is going to happen? One of the ways to do that is start reading spiritual books, start reading spiritual articles. Let's hear what Sister Lucia has to say. Let's continue reading this article and see what else does she have to say about the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. This is what Sister Lucia says. She says, it was in this heart that the Father placed his son. So in the heart of Our Lady, as if in the first tabernacle, Lucia explains that it was the blood of her immaculate heart which communicated to the Son of God his life and his human nature, from which we all in turn receive grace upon grace. Again, let's read that again. It was the blood of her immaculate heart which communicated to the Son of God his life and his human nature, which we all in turn receive grace upon grace. We got to think of this, you know, from a medical perspective, it was Our Lady's heart that was beating that gave our Lord life. You know, we see, I can tell you as a physician, when a mom comes and she's doing a, a neonate clinic and she's doing her prenatal clinics and, you know, she comes in and she says, hey, you know what, I think I'm pregnant. I took a pregnancy test. It's positive. We check the mom first. We say, is her heart beating okay? Well, what's her, what are her labs like? How's her health? She better have good health because she's got to carry this baby. When we think of the heart of Our Lady, it was her beating heart that gave life to our Lord in the womb. It was because her heart was beating that the blood was cursing through their bodies. It was going through her body, through the placenta, to his heart, and their hearts were actually beating in unison. They were beating together in her body. How beautiful is that when we think of the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady? It had to be a perfect most pure uh, um, heart in order to beat. Every beat had to be perfect. Every beat had to be pure in order to send that blood to, to our Lord. Every time we see a mom in clinic and we say, hey, let's take care of you medically, we look at what are you consuming? Better not be doing any drugs, better not be drinking alcohol, better not be doing all these things that are going to be bad for your baby. But what a better heart and what a better womb than that of Our Lady to carry our Lord. This is where we look at the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady and think, how can I not have a devotion to her heart, which beat 100% for Christ? That was her whole reason for her heart. Every beat of her heart as she was growing up was for God, and God knew that. That's how he knew he could put Jesus in her womb, because every beating of her heart, every aspiration that she had, every hope that she had was only in God, and that's what she allowed uh, her, her beating heart to be for, to give life to our Lord. That's just a beautiful image. So how does this work out? It's, this is what our uh, Lucia tells us. She says, I see that from the very beginning, Jesus Christ united to his redemptive work, the immaculate heart of her whom he chose to be his mother. 
The work of our redemption began at the moment when the word descended from heaven in order to assume a human body in the womb of Mary. From that moment and for the next nine months, the blood of Christ was the blood of Mary, taken from her immaculate heart. The heart of Christ was beating in unison with the heart of Mary. That's true, folks. I mean, the, the blood of Christ, when we celebrate the blood of Christ, how could we not end that? You know, we look at the month of July as the sacred blood of Christ. Where did that blood come from? Right? When you think of a newborn child, it starts off at the moment of conception, two cells, they start to split. And these, the splitting of these cells, they're just cells. All of a sudden, there's this blood transfer. When it joins into the placenta, where does that blood come from? It comes from the mother. So needless to say that when we say, gosh, you know, there's a, the, the sacred heart of Christ that we celebrate in the month of June, take great pride in the sacred heart of Christ. All of a sudden, it's July, and it's his precious blood that he spilt for us. Where did that blood come from? It came from the time he was in the womb of Our Lady, from her heart beating through the, her placenta, giving him life's blood. That blood that he shed was actually his blood and her blood. It was the blood she had given him before. It's very important to consider this. What I mean, when we think of this from a medical perspective, how can we not see this physically they're united, spiritually they're united? If we have devotion to the heart of Our Lady, we pray our rosary, of course we're going to be united to the heart of our Lord and the blood that Christ spilled for us. Because that's where it's that's where it came from. That's its origin. And it says the heart of Jesus was beating in unison with the heart of Mary. Lucia notes that a whole new generation is born from this mother, Christ in himself and in his mystical body. And Mary is the mother of this progeny chosen to crush the head of the infant serpent. Recall that we're in the mystical body of Christ. This is what it says. Devotion to the immaculate heart means no less than victory over the devil and evil. Sister Lucia puts it that way, puts it this way. The new generation that God foretold would be born of this woman will triumph in the battle against the progeny of Satan to the point of crushing its head. Mary is the mother of this new generation as if she were a new tree of life planted by God in the garden of the world so that all her children can partake of her fruit. Recall that uh, in July 13, 1917, that was the vision that Our Lady showed the children at hell and sinners. And what she said next was, Another reason for this essential devotion, this is what she said. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to the Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. Now, the article goes on to explain one more very important thing. It says that there is devotion and a Eucharistic connection. How can there be devotion to the Immaculate Heart and a Eucharistic connection? Because Lucia tells us that it is necessary that the devotion of the Immaculate Heart in yet another beautifully descriptive way, from the mother's heart, children receive their natural life and their life-giving blood. We talked about this. So could almost, so we could almost say that the heart of the mother is the heart of the child. And we can say the same of Mary when she carried the son of the eternal father in her womb. Hence it followed that Mary, the heart of Mary is, in some sense, the heart of all that other generation, the first fruit, which is Christ. We are that other generation. It makes sense. Don't we say we unite our, our hearts to the heart of Christ? We unite our hearts to the heart of Christ, and he was able to have that heart by being in Our Lady's womb. How can we unite our hearts to the heart of Christ and not to the heart of Our Lady? There's a permanent connection of the Immaculate Heart and the Holy Eucharist. This is what uh, Sister says, Sister Lucia. It is the body received from Mary that in Christ becomes a victim offered up for the salvation of mankind. It is the blood received from Mary that circulates in Christ's veins and which pours out from his divine heart. 
It is the same body and this same blood received from Mary that are given us under the appearance of bread and wine as our daily food to strengthen within us the life of grace. And so to continue in us, members of the mystical body of Christ, this redemptive work for the salvation of each and all to the extent to which each one clings to Christ and cooperates with Christ. This is important to consider, you know, when we're looking at all this, it can get a little heady. It can get a little heavy. But at the end of the day, Our Lady gave life and blood to Christ, who in turn gives us life through his blood. There's no way that we can't have that devotion to Our Lady. Our Lady's there for us to give us the graces, to love us as a mother, and to make sure that we make it to her son through safe passage. We're going to see a lot of people start to tell us that the rosary is something bad, that devotion to Our Lady is something bad. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if someday somebody says, oh, you shouldn't read the Bible. Uh, The Bible's too controversial. It's something bad. But the reality is that's what leads us to eternal life. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He never said that there wasn't going to be controversy when we followed him. In fact, he told us they're going to treat you the same way they treat me. This is important to consider when we look at the Sacred Heart of our Lord in unison with the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. When we're making that leap, when we're deciding for ourselves, are we going to consecrate ourselves to Our Lady, to her Immaculate Heart? Are we going to pray that rosary? Be ready to understand that there is going to be a spiritual battle. There will be retaliation. There will be moments where your faith is going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested at the end of the day. And we have to make a decision. We have to decide for ourselves, is this something I can do? Is this something that I can continue to follow? Is this something that am I willing to go to the cross with Christ the way Our Lady did? I'm sure Our Lady was persecuted in different ways. Imagine we can't deny the fact that her son was considered one of the worst criminals in the world when our Lord was condemned to death. And here's a lady who bore him. I don't know that too many people were thinking kindly of our lady or thinking that she was a good person. In fact, when something happens like that, it affects the whole family. I'm sure that our lady's heart was in as much pain as our Lord's heart as he was considering, you know, in that moment in the garden of Gethsemane where he said, I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want uh, you know, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, that would be great. I'm sure Our Lady's heart was turn, uh, torn in the same way. But I leave you with these final thoughts from Sister Lucia. One, she says, God began the work of our redemption in the heart of Mary, given that it was through her, through her fiat, through her saying yes, that the redemption began to come about. She gives us another thought and says, hence, it is that immaculate heart that must be for us a refuge, the way that leads to God. And lastly, she says, Thus, we see that devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary must be established in the world by means of a true consecration through conversion and self-giving. Christ began with Mary, the work of our salvation. The Christ heart beats are those of the heart of the heart of Mary. Our Lord's heart beats with our Lady's heart. It was from Mary that Christ received the body and blood that are to be poured out and offered up for the salvation of the world. Hence, Mary made one with Christ is the co-redemptrix of the human race. At the end of the day, we unite our hearts to Our Lady, who unites us to the heart of Christ and leads us to our salvation. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, keep it Catholic.